Folks, today we celebrate the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity, the central mystery of our Christian faith. also want to, at this Mass, give a greetings to those at Legacy who are watching, all those who have been watching the last few weeks on live stream. Um, I get so busy when it comes to my homily, I've never greeted all of you who are watching on live stream, so it's, I thank you um, for, for tuning in. Today on this feast day, I want to speak about, first of all, in the Mass, how the Holy Trinity is incorporated into the Mass. And then secondly, I want to give a, a couple of examples, some analogies by St. Hildegard, who, who um, gives it to us uh, so that we can come to understand the Holy Trinity a little more. So first of all, I want to go through our, our Mass, how the Holy Trinity is incorporated into the Mass, and how through the Mass we worship the Holy Trinity. We worship our God. When we begin Mass, we immediately begin with the sign of the cross, the very words of our baptism, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You notice that in that short, uh, in that short phrase, there are the three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll also hear the, the phrase, um, or the word name, in the singular, in the name, not the names, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The name for God, as revealed to Moses, is, is translated from the Hebrew, I am who am, or I am who I am. The, the Hebrew the scholars think today that it's the, the exact word in Hebrew is, is Yahweh. I usually will see it written as Y-H-W-H. But if you notice in the Missalette, if you were following along with the first reading today, when it came to God's holy name, it did not say his holy name, but we used the word Lord. For the people of Israel, they recognized that, that God's name is all holy. So whenever it would appear in the sacred scriptures, they would always say the word Adonai, which is the, the English or the Hebrew word for Lord. When it's translated into our English Bibles, what ends up happening is we still translate it as Lord, but it's all in capital letters. So if you notice in the, in the book, it had large L, large O, large R, and large D. Whenever you see that in your Bible, that's referring to God's holy name. We don't speak it uh, because of his, it's, it's an amazing name. It's similar to, to children. Children uh, usually do not say their, their parents' names because out of respect for their dad and their mom. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, these words are how we begin our Mass, immediately calling to mind the Holy Trinity, in whom we were baptized. Then as Mass continues, during the penitential rite, we'll hear the phrase, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. In the Greek, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison. In the extraordinary form of the Mass, it's said three times, three times, Kyrie eleison is said three times, and then Christe eleison three times, and then again Kyrie eleison three times, referring to the, the threefold holiness of God. The first, the first one, Lord have mercy, refers to the Father. The second one, Christ have mercy, refers to the Son. And the last one, Lord have mercy, refers to the Holy Spirit. During the the times of the year, every Sunday and every feast day, with the exception of Lent and, and Advent, we'll always say the Gloria. Usually it's sung. The Gloria 
begins in giving glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. And then it continues and then we go into the Son. We speak about how good God has been to us through His Son. And we say, have mercy on us to Jesus. And then at the last part, we say in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Three persons. Then we go to our our opening prayer known as the Collect. And the Collect will always refer to all three persons again. We so often hear these prayers and it just kind of, you know, bounces off our minds. We don't think much about it. But the Holy Trinity is incorporated into the Mass so, so, so much. So we hear these words in our opening prayer. God our Father. Usually in, in some way it begins like that, referring to our the Father who created us, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. We turn to Him, our God. And we bring our prayer to Him. We bring our prayer to Him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus... We don't come to know who God is. Jesus is the one who revealed to us that our God is all merciful. Our God wants to show to humanity His mercy. We are just a broken people. We're a messed up people. We're, we're all great sinners. I think that's becoming more visible in our culture every day, every week, every month. We're a broken people. But God wants to come to us, and He comes to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So we close the opening prayer with, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're making our prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, Heavenly Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God, not three gods, one God, forever and ever. Amen. There are three persons in one God. Then Mass continues, we hear the scripture readings, after the scripture readings, then we, we always recite the creed on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. The creed was formulated uh, immediately after, after Jesus ascended into heaven. As we have it today, it was not, um, or the, in the way we receive it today, that was not completed until 385 at the Council of Constantinople, where a number of bishops had come together. Much of it, though, was already formulated previously, particularly in 325, when, when the, the early church had to overcome the Arian heresy. The Arian heresy said that Jesus is not God. Jesus is not God. He's the first thing that God created, and then through, through Jesus, God created everything else. With the, the number of the bishops, particularly St. Athanasius and others, they they really were very vocal to the point that finally a council was called. And at the council, at the council, it became very clear to all those who had gathered, all the theologians, all the bishops, that Jesus is truly God. It's how Jesus revealed himself. We see that particularly in John's Gospel. So the creed begins with, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. That God is the one who created everything. The pews that you are sitting on are made of wood. Who made those trees grow? Who made those beautiful white oaks grow? It was our God. When you were driving to church this morning, you looked out and you saw the green grass. Who makes the green grass grow? It's our God. 
the things visible. And we believe that he created, that he's the maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible. But he's also the creator of things invisible. If we look around us, we do not see the angels and saints gathered with us, worshiping God, but they're here. At every Mass, we say that we believe in the angels and the saints, that which is invisible. And then we immediately go into to Jesus Christ. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. He's, he's called the only begotten one because there's no other one that's begotten by the Father. Jesus is the only one. All of us are, are begotten, I guess, in some way, um, but not, not in the way that Jesus is. He's eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And then listen to this next phrase. This is a very important phrase. He's begotten, not made. All of us are begotten and we're made. Begotten is the word where we come from our parents. You know, our parents beget us. We're all begotten, but Jesus is begotten. He's the Son of the Father, but he's never been made. He has eternally existed. Consubstantial, with the same stuff, the same substance as the Father. Through him, lest we, we think that he's not God, the phrase, through him, through Jesus, all things were made. And that speaks about the incarnation, him becoming one of us. And then after we speak about Jesus for a time and we profess our faith in Jesus, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, Yahweh, the one who created us. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord. Who is he? He's the giver of life. So since 385, and even before that in some churches, the whole Catholic world has been professing our faith in the Trinity. This creed was formulated particularly in the East, amongst the Eastern churches. The, the heresy, the denial of Jesus as God and the Holy Spirit as God was very prevalent in the East. So if you go to a Ukrainian Mass, whether in, in um, Fairfield or in Belfield, You'll, you'll find out that, that the Holy Trinity is incorporated into the Mass even more than we hear it. You'll hear a lot of glory beasts to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of signs of the cross. You'll see it a lot because the heresy was very prominent. In the West, in, in Europe, it wasn't as prevalent. Um, so we don't use it as much. But after the Creed, then, of course, there are other prayers. We get into the, the, great, the great prayer of the Mass, known as the Consecration, the Eucharistic prayer. That is prayed to the Father, but we ask the Holy Spirit to come down upon the gifts of bread and wine, that they might become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is called down. You'll see the priest place his hands over the gifts, calling down the Holy Spirit. And of course, the words of institution, the very words of the Consecration, for this is my body, this is my blood. This is, these are the words of Jesus himself. At the, end, at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, we hear what's called the doxology. Through him, with him, and in him. What does that mean? Again, it's realizing that through Jesus, God receives glory. So through Jesus, with Jesus, 
and in Jesus we give God glory. Through him, with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. That's, a, that's an attack on our egos. All of us have pride. All of us want to be God. All of us want to receive the glory. There's a particular sin which all of us struggle with to some degree. It's known as vain glory. Uh, vain, we all know what vain is. There's the, the famous song, you know, you're so vain. You probably think the song is about you. You know, the very singer is, of course, vain, and it's emphasized in the song. Uh, vain glory is where, it's, it's literally where, where you'll find yourself alone or even with others, but you're thinking interiorly about yourself to the point that you're the center of attention, even in your mind. And it might be thinking about yourself being the center of attention, you know, in public. It could be, you know, wherever it is where, where the glory, the praise goes to you. And you sort of just soak up in, in, in this, how awesome am I? You know, apart from God, that is. We are awesome, but only with God. So at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, you'll hear the priests say that prayer. All glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father. Forever and ever, we give the glory to God. Lastly, now I want to talk about a couple of analogies by uh, St. Uh, Hildegard. We will never understand the Holy Trinity completely. So the church will give us analogies to understand the Trinity. We don't even understand our phones that are in our pockets. I don't know how we even you know, sometimes think we can understand the Trinity. But of course, the Trinity is, is our God, and, and we, don't, we, we don't even understand creatures. St. Hildegard gives two examples. I, I, I love these examples. She says, As the flame of a fire has three qualities, so there is one God in three persons. How? A flame is made up of brilliant light and red power and fiery heat. It has brilliant light that it may shine and red power that it may endure and fiery heat that it may burn. Therefore, by the brilliant light, understand the Father who with paternal love opens his brightness to his faithful. And by the red power, which is in the flame, that it may be strong, understand the Son who took on a body born from a virgin, in which his divine wonders were shown. And by the fiery heat, understand the Holy Spirit, who burns ardently in the minds of the faithful. Therefore, as these three qualities are found in one flame, so three persons must be understood in the unity of the divinity. And as, here's the second example she gives. She says, as three causes for the production of words are seen, so the Trinity and the unity of the divinity is to be inferred. How? In a word, speaking about the words that we speak, she says, in a word there is sound, meaning, and breath. It has sound that it may be heard, meaning that it may be understood, and breath that it may be pronounced. In the sound then observe the Father who manifests all things with ineffable power, in the meaning, the Son, who was miraculously begotten of the Father, and in the breath, the Holy Spirit, 
who sweetly burns in them. Therefore, in these three persons, recognize your God, who created you in the power of his divinity and redeemed you. The last few weeks, I've been doing some woodwork. You may have noticed on the, the front doors coming in, they've been sanded down. I, it took a number of hours to sand it all down like that. And then I had to put another piece of wood on the side because the doors had shrunk. They uh, must have been green wood when they put them in. So I, I've been working on that. I've also been working on some other projects. What ends up happening for anybody who does woodworking, you'll notice that there's scraps of wood that start piling up. So this last week, I, I took the, this little um, bonfire canister thing and I, I was burning up some of the wood. And as I was there looking at the flames, just watching, it must have been an hour and a half or so, I was looking at it. Uh, one, one just can't be amazed at how fire works, how, how amazing it is. So when I read this by St. Hildegard, a Benedictine nun from Germany, I immediately was, was drawn, like, i, I got to speak about this. That these fires, these flames that we see before us, there are 15 flames in this church, I, I think so. Uh, if you look at them, these flames, there's the light. They are light. There's the, the red, um, what does what is St. Hildegard call it? She, she says the, the red power, and then there's the fiery heat. The light, the red power, and the fiery heat. The light can lighten up a whole room. They say that if just one candle lit, that with a, a, a telescope you can see it for many, many miles. It's, it's amazing the light that a candle gives off. The heat, or excuse me, the, the, the power, the, this flame has the power to burn down a forest. Have you ever thought of that? Like this flame has the power to burn down a forest or to start a grass fire. And then, of course, the heat, which is completely connected to the light and the power, warms a place up. All of us are alive today thanks to fire of the past, thanks to all the stoves, to the fireplaces of our ancestors who, who kept their babies warm in the midst of winter. Light. It's one of the great examples for God, the great analogies. The light, the, the red power, and the, and the fiery heat, they're all together. They all are the flame completely, and yet we can distinguish them. So as we celebrate this feast of the Holy Trinity, folks, let's, let's, let's adore the God who created us. Let's make him our God, not ourselves, not anything else. And let us recognize how good God is to us, that he wants to fix this broken world. He wants to fix our hearts, but he can't unless we come to him. That's why you're here this morning, because you want to come to God. Let's stay close to our good God.